All right, welcome back in to the Flag Hunting Podcast, episode seven of the 2024 PGA Tour season. We are at Riviera Country Club, one of my favorite golf courses on the PGA Tour, probably one of my favorite non-major events, period, that we get all season. And of course, who better to ring it up with with my vertebral colleague and one of my best friends in the industry, Byron, at the Model Media on Twitter, who has already probably recorded roughly four to five hours of content. This Actually, you do the Sunday preview show. Uh, now every single Sunday night. So you're you're like up to eight hours. I mean, this is like, this is getting ridiculous. This is like a full-time gig, just recording podcasts. So we appreciate you having uh, having you on. But Byron, how are you, man? Uh, I know Phoenix didn't go great for both of us, but just, yeah, talk about uh, the week uh, as a whole and kind of what you're looking forward to here this week. With. I'm doing great. I actually didn't manage to get to the Sunday stream because of the Super Bowl. Okay, I should have, should have done better. Viewership numbers are uh, been low anyway. So. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, th- that's the thing. Like, I was like, do I go at 10 o'clock and just grind this out or do, do I just like let it slide this week? Yeah. I let it slide. Um, I had eaten too many ribs, too many baked <laughs> cauliflower casseroles and, and stuff like that. So the, yeah. the cheesy dip that I was also eating was blocking up my carter- my arteries, my carteries. And it was, a <laughs> it was a time to get, to get to sleep in case I died. So right. well, um, it was good. Our most ardent flag hunting uh, followers will will have known that scouting the route and came out about twenty four hours late. Um, you know, not all because of the Super Bowl, but certainly uh, was not in the the typical shape I'm in at eleven p.m. on a Sunday uh, Eastern time to get that article out in a timely fashion. So, if you guys do want my kind of comprehensive thoughts on Riviera, obviously um, one of the most nuanced, complex, I think, handicaps we have all year from a golf course standpoint. So, I've got three to four thousand words laying out kind of everything I'm weighing, a couple guys that I like that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But Byron, when you approach Riviera from a handicapping standpoint, are there maybe a few stats that you can give us that that you really are, are looking to hone in on this week in terms of kind of narrowing down your player pool? Yep. Main main thing I'm looking for, I know it's a little stock standard answer, but distance yeah. off the tee, I think that's got to be the essential yeah. item there. There's a few guys that I'll I'll go and manually adjust, you know, like Colin Morikawa, those kind of guys that have, have found success with the accuracy. But most of the time, like if you're looking for a blanket off the tee, it's distance. Um, looking for good strokes gain, not necessarily good shots, because I feel like this course is a bit more defensive than aggressive, you know, on approach. So you want guys like Scotty that can just keep pounding greens in regulation from 150 to 200. Definitely. And then when they miss around the green play, bunker play, that kind of stuff there. And then putting on power from 5 to 15 feet. And I think that's that's those the main the four key key metrics there. And then I had some some course history obviously involved for guys that have played here with some some recent form. So okay. a lot a lot to go into, but pretty simple at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is a week where you can actually take quite a few different angles this week in terms of uh, like skill sets you're looking for. We've seen a lot of like yeah. this isn't exactly like I don't think a bombers only course, right? We've seen the likes of a Matt Kuchar, a Paul Casey. You mentioned Colin. Max Home of the year he won was well below field average driving distance. Same with Joaquin Neiman, actually, who, yeah. who clubbed out a lot off the tee at Riviera. So it does give you a lot of options off the tee. You can read a lot more about this in, in my article. Um, and, and But in general, just when it comes to your key stats, I, I do agree. I think distance is probably the the quickest path to success or the the, passively, the path of least resistance when it comes to getting strokes off the tee here with the likes of Cam Young, Hovland, Rory, Cantley. They've been kind of generally on top of the strokes getting off the tee leaderboard here. And then I couldn't agree with war with your sentiment about needing a bit of prudence into in these greens. Um, I, I talked about that a lot in my in my scout in the route and article. Um, and you know Jordan Spieth actually I, I found an interview with him back in uh, 2021 
where I quote, it's one of those rare weeks where you can't just get away with firing away at flagsticks. Persistence is so key, but being smart and recognizing when being precise won't work out. Um, there's not much rough, but when you get it in the rough, it takes the spin off um, enough where you can't get into the pins. So if you try and get cute with it, a lot of times you miss the green. It's harder from where it's harder from where you miss them. Harder to get close to them where you could you could have hit your approach shot. So basically, if you continually short side yourself around Riviera, you continually fire flagsticks. You're just going to make auto bogeys, almost irregardless of how good your short game is. So for me, I'm looking, like Byron said, you're looking for the general like bomber distance, long irons, mid irons in terms of a general profile. But I'm also looking at like uh, experience around Riviera, right? The last nine champions here at Riviera since 2015 have also recorded an, an approach week prior at this golf course of at least 3.5 game, uh, strokes gaining approach. So we've kind of continually seen, we haven't seen a big shot winner here since 2005 and Adam Scott. And guys that have won here have had some at least fireball second success here around Riviera. It's, it's it's not a golf course where I feel like um, you know even some of the wonderkins that we've 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 seen on a regular basis um, you know contend in the early part of the season. This this feels like the the last spot that you would maybe want to enjoy a Ludwig or a Nikolai, um, regardless of how talented they may be. Interesting. So. I haven't really thought about the newbie the newbie side of things. I've more so thought about a little bit more like. Augusta comps as well. I mean, it's one of the, yeah. the obviously the biggest. You know, I saw a tweet that said, "What seven of the last eleven guys that have won here are all on live now?" It's because they all won the Masters. You know, like that's like, yep. that's why they've gone there is because they can they can play their tournament for the rest of their life. Blah blah blah. So it kind of makes sense. And the two guys I have on my card, I probably I don't know if there's any other masters winners in the field <laughs> so i kind of just wrap that market up baby and win with it so we'll see what happens but um yeah well yeah to this point i, I wasn't sure who's on your card i'm now suddenly scrambling <laughs> to figure out uh kind of narrow down everyone that that is I've, I've found a couple there so uh but yeah definitely Augusta national comps in the way that you have to kind of shape the ball up the tee um it's a golf course that's, that's super claustrophobic it doesn't exactly have the highest miss fairway penalty um but we've seen a lot of like shot shapers right Bubba watson yeah Bill Mickelson, Joaquin Neiman, Justin Thomas, they've all had routine success here and also uh, a lot of times at Augusta National. So, okay. Well, I feel like, again, there's plenty of resources at Rotoballer between my course preview article, between, um, sorry, uh, Joe Adoni does a course preview article as well on Monday. Uh, Byron with a stat buffet that, that lays out every single key stat that you need. Spencer has his model going up. So there's plenty of resources out there. Let's just talk through the things that are that may be the most important to, to our audience this week, which is the bets we made and the bets maybe we're considering making and maybe narrowing down this star of the field, which, you know, uh, we kind of got gypped a little bit in the uh, Phoenix Open last week when I talked to you and Spencer on the Rotoballer PGA show. Uh, this week, no, uh, no such problem as uh, the entirety of the PGA Tour roster is pretty much here. So we've got a laundry list of names to choose from. And, uh, yeah, interested to hear what Byron's thoughts are on this outright odds board. Because I, I still have plenty of room, if you guys have read my article, to, to maybe maneuver a little bit. So maybe he can give us, convince me of a couple names. Maybe we can just talk through a few guys mm. for against the cases. But, I'm yeah. down to help you out, fill out the card, because I, I have a very boring card, and I almost contemplated putting together like a fake card so that I could just at least provide some some <laughs> sincere opinions on guys. But I'll, I've had a few – I've got a few guys for like top fives, top tens that I feel like I'll – potentially Good. kind of lean into in that department too so um, that's how i felt mm -hmm. go ahead so that's how i felt last week as well because i had like my when i came on with you and spencer i already had features on jt and speed and fitzpatrick and yeah. so i was like well i liked him at 
16 to one when I got JT and 30 to one when I got speed. But uh, if we're calling like 18 to one now, it's a little bit tougher. So now we're kind of all on the same page. Um, and yeah, it sounds like uh, based on, I've kind of deciphered your card now. Not that it was all that difficult, but um, it sounds like we might have some action here at the very top, huh? There's action at the top. I, I took the plunge. I, I woke up on Monday morning, pulled up the leaderboard from Riv last year. Yeah. And just filtered on rankings by each like strokes gain metric and just took a look at strokes gain T to green and the strokes gain putting. Yeah. And there was like, I think seven of the top 11 or eight of the top 11 guys were inside the top 10 in T to green play. And then there was only two guys, Ram being like 12th, <clears throat> the third one, that had gained top 10 strokes gain putting that week. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was just like, if I'm looking at this and this repeats itself again and I don't play Scotty freaking Scheffler this week and he wins this thing out of nowhere, yeah, can I really forgive myself? And also the reason I went with him as well is like probably the biggest reason was not even an analytical or statistical reasoning. It was this is the first time in like a thousand days he showed up to this golf course not having to speak about his win at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. True. You know, and yeah. that to me is like probably the angle I'm going to be kind of leaning into the most when I finally also get to write a, a Breaking 100 article where I only have to write about two outrights and not mine. Like I'm, my fingers are just like standing here, like buzzing, ready to just go because for the first time we get a card that's not like super engage a blitz mode, you know, and just like yeah. sending the dogs. So it looks we'll like see what happens, but it looks like one of my cards a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's exactly the thing. So we'll see what happens. Scotty is elite from 150 to 200. He's an elite ball striker off the tee. And I was taking a peek at like his hole-by-hole stuff at, at, at the waste management. He was just losing fractions of a stroke around the green for, for like seven holes at a time because yeah. he just kept pounding greens. If you, The more greens you hit, the less you start losing strokes to the field around the green. So... If you take a look at his around the green play, it's not like necessarily as great as it has been once upon a time, but still, like he's hitting so many greens right now, the, the there's no chance to like gain strokes around them, you know. So it's it's an interesting concept there, and I think this week he's going to be under the radar. We've got Tiger, we've got Max, we've got Rory, we've got Nick Taylor. Like those are at least four names that I think will be way more starstruck, star driven, whatever you want to call it, than the world number one golfer in the field. So yeah. it's his time. I think, you know, Masters comp, got a green sure. jacket. Let's sure. go. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to argue with a guy that just gained 14 shots ball striking at Phoenix over four rounds. Yeah. I, I mean, the field again, you know, yep. again. I, I mean, at the very least, like, like it's it's kind of, in, it's. I mean, someone who did it a lot last year who kind of tried to call the win time after time after time. It is kind of enjoyable going into the week with Scotty because, like, it's he's just the most metronomic entity of all time. Like, he's going to be there on Sunday. It's just a matter of, like, eventually the nine-footers are going to fall when they need to, and he's going to win by three, four, um, and, and win by margin. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what can you, what can you really say? The, he, he, I mean, he's gained strokes putting the last two weeks as well. I mean, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.4, finished third and six. So, and his power splits are above average in this field too. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's interesting because I know last week the, the big narrative was the fact that obviously he putted so well at Scottsdale. Um, so it's it's good the fact that you know he's got some positive success on West Coast Poland. Yeah. Now I'm just looking at it plus one point seven, plus two point five, plus point three. Three of his last four starts at ribs. So 
yeah, you, you gotta you gotta imagine if he's on the plus side of of uh, of zero. Yeah, this week he's gonna be obviously yeah. right there. And how I'm seeing it is it's it's just a player's win again. He can he can just be neutral putting and win this tournament still. I think that's totally doable. Yeah. To to be fair, I when I'm approaching like betting Scotty outright in the next like two to three months, like I've already kind of laid out my my potential like spots where I'm really looking to maybe like jump in, right? Like Bay Hill, obvious one. Players, obvious. Masters, obvious, right? Like if I can find like anything bordering on nine to one, ten to one, like that's that's a spot I'd be comfortable with. But I, I don't. I mean, I can't hate the Riviera comp. As much as I'm weighing short game, I mean, this is the guy that I mean, he still rates. I think number he's number one in, in strokes game from Tita Green. He's he's you know historically been a top five player on the PJ Tour around the green. So uh, he's a guy that can that can definitely make up for a lot of mistakes. And hey, maybe the fact that Riviera has some of the toughest greens to to put on the PJ Tour levels that playing field just a little bit more. Everyone's going to be missing from five to 10 feet this week. So maybe Scotty um, won't be losing as many strokes to the field average with the inevitable seven, six foot, five foot miss. Um, and I had one more question, Ian, about yeah, that. But- and it's kind of more to the golf course than really Scotty, but it kind of lays over. But the the proximity to hole here, I, I feel like the defensiveness and passive approach play that these golfers have to adopt at this golf course because of being short-sighted, yeah. Kind of doesn't that lean a bit better into Scotty's like wheelhouse because he doesn't quite give himself those like knock dead three footers all the time. Like I was taking a look at his good shot rates. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, you know, like especially out of the rough. That's what concerned me a little bit is out of the rough. But his strokes gain, his poor shot avoidance, his green regulations, proximity, all fantastic still out of the rough. Just just doesn't knock it, doesn't gain over half a stroke on a single approach shot out of the rough. But okay. I think at this golf course, leaving yourself 15, 20 feet is where the rest of the field is going to be doing it anyway. And Scotty can easily just, you know, kind of give him – you're not going to get as frustrated over those kind of putts as you yeah. are a 10-footer, an 8-footer at, at the TPC Scottsdale. It's also tricky when you talk about rough proximity because the 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 spectrum of, like, what is rough on the PGA Tour is so wide. And so mm-hmm. – this is a week where I'm not really looking like at a place like Tory Pines, for example. Like I'm, I'm really looking for guys that excel out of you know bird nests, thick lies that they have to gouge out. Guys like Hovland historically played really well. Rom has played historically really well at these golf courses that have really high grown up rough, right? And Riviera is not like that at all. In fact, it's one of the least penal golf courses in general when it comes to hazards, when it comes to rough penalty, miss fairway penalty. And so, Scotty, he's made five starts here at Genesis. He's never lost strokes in approach. He gained 4.9 strokes off the tee last year. He's gained strokes around the greens in three of his last four, and he's gained strokes putting in three of his last four as well. So, like, all the ingredients are kind of there. He just hasn't put it together to quite contend yet. But I remember he was the first-round leader here back in 2022. Uh, shot a seven under 64, if I recall correctly. Him and Speed kind of went crazy on that first day. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I would say, if, if anything, the fact that he just continually peppers greens, like, he is one of the few guys where I could see him hitting 70% of his greens here, right? And, and historically, when you look back at some of the past ball strikers, whether it's Colin, Xander, Homa, even a guy like Rory, right? These, like, prolific iron players, like, you look at their GIR rates around Riviera, they're, like, 50, 55, 58%. Like, Max Homa finished second last year, hit 36 out of 72 greens regulation. <laughs> yes. He had to scramble before on half of his holes and somehow yeah. finished second. So, the, if Scotty can somehow – if Scotty can go out there and just hit it to 20 feet, Every single hole. He's going to be gaining a mass amount of strokes in the field and not being forced to scramble like all these guys are going to inevitably have to. Yeah. So yeah. it is a week where elite to green play is definitely going to going to kind of rise to the top. Um, 
And obviously, when you're looking at guys that, that Pepper Fairways and Greens, like there, there's no one better than Scotty. He's so. the Pippa King, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's so I, I think a lot of this, a lot of maybe argument for Scotty as well could come alongside kind of my main hesitation with my betting card to this point in the week, which is you get past Scotty, which obviously he has his question marks with the potting. He hasn't closed a tournament in since the players last or is that correct? Since the players last year was his last win? Uh, I believe it was. Yeah. So we're going on about 11 months. So like Scotty has his warts, but at least in terms of recent form, there's no question marks with how he's playing. You get to Rory, you get to Hovland, you get to Xander, you get to Colin, you get to Homa, you get to Cantley. If you're asking the question of what have you done for me lately? Like these are a lot of names I typically would circle around when it comes to Riviera. I'm like, I'm, it, it feels destitute. Like, I don't know if I want to put my money in any of these guys, especially at the current prices they're at. They're all under 20 to 1, every one of those names I just listed. So, it, that's, I mean, I, I kind of want to throw it to you. Like, between Rory, Victor, Xander, Homa, Cantley, Colin, JT's in the mix as well. Who JT's like the one guy who I think has shown some recent life and, and continued recent life and I actually think possesses like a solid floor at this point in time. Was there anyone you were living close on, or was are you kind of in the same boat as me, where like you're just so skittish on all these guys that you might as well just go to the top? I I was going Scotty, or I was going to pepper that 25, 35 range. Okay. Yeah. If there's someone that I wanted to go to here, it's Max. It seems like his numbers drifted now into the twenties. I know. And the thing is, though, on my show earlier, I just took a quick peek. Max Homer's putting has been the backbone of his game. It's currently the biggest letdown of his game. So, And it's been for a little while now. It's not like it's been one or two bad tournaments. It's been pretty much since since it's the century, right? Since and it's, yeah. yeah. So something's up with the putter. And when your best weapon is not firing, it's a concern. Also, going back to this venue, though, it, it could easily just reignite and combust spontaneously. So that's the concern I have with him. I've never got Max right. Every time he's won a tournament, I've had Keegan Bradley. Every time I've had Max, John Rahm would win the tournament last year. I had Max here last year. So yeah, devastating stuff. I don't know how to deal with him, but just with the putter right now, I'm going to wait for it to bounce back, and then I'll kind of reassess yeah. Max there. But even his Tita Green game, you know, like it was really firing entering here last year. It hasn't it's just He hasn't had it. You know, yeah. He just hasn't had it so far. So it's so odd. Because, like, yeah. the end of 2023 for Max, like, when I was, like, going into the new year, I was like, Max is going to be my guy the first, like, two months of the season. Like, Max and Colin, the way they ended 2023, Tom Kim as well, like, the way they ended the last year, I was like, okay, like, this is, like, when we start to see Max in California. He's playing good. Like, we're going to cash a ticket in California. Like, there's no doubt. And then he goes to the Farmers and plays meh for four days, finishes 13th. Then he goes to Pebble Beach and plays pretty poorly, 66 out of 80 players. Then goes to Phoenix. He did get screwed by the weather wave on the wrong side of the draw, but misses the cut and never really looked like he had any life in that tournament. So I I can't tell you how long I've been waiting to queue up his interview. I don't know if, you know if you remember his post-round interview last year at uh, after he lost to John Ron by two on Sunday when he went into the media. And he was Coming like, back, I'm going to win this thing for right. of everybody. He was like, yeah, in 2021, obviously he won during COVID times. He's like, it sucked that my friends and family weren't there. Like, I'm I'm going to win it again with my friends. I was so ready to queue up that, like, fucking goosebump-inducing press conference. And then you just, like, you look and you're like, eh, 22 to 1? <laughs> yeah. The only goosebumps is still on the turkey that's yet to be in the oven, buddy. Like, that, it's like, 
We need oh. to get it together. Like turn the oven on at least at some point. So yeah, it's it's. I don't know. So where do you stand on Victor? Because I know for a fact that our boy Spencer is quite high on Hovland this week. I've seen some numbers, some drift on Victor. Like you know, at the start of the year, he was right alongside Rory, right alongside Scheffler, um, as he probably should have been given his kind of end of twenty twenty three. He's coming to he's coming to the new year. Made two starts, lost strokes and approach on two in in those two starts. Takes the week off to, I guess, prep for this week to sort some things out in this game. Where do you kind of stay on him? I know you're not going to get him from an outright standpoint, but just in general, stock up, stock down on, on Hovland this week. Are you maybe buying a bit of the dip, or are you have legit concerns here? I'm going to be playing him in DFS, if that answers your question, because yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be a really good leverage spot where I think most of the people will be off him and going elsewhere. Yeah. The fact that he took some time off to whatever, I don't like... Yeah. But to get back to what Spencer was getting at is he runs his model for a little longer. I kind of had to go off of that because the things weren't working out for me. I used yeah. to do that, but the placement market was kind of messing me up a bit. He's running a longer term. So like if Victor just shows back up, because the baseline's there. We know what Victor's capable of. We've seen him play good golf here. It's just whether or not it's it's that's the whole thing about this range, Ian. Is <laughs> yeah, it's like woo. Someone's going to, surely, right? These guys are too good to all yeah. continue playing the way. Like, someone's going to have a bounce-back situation. It's just got to be who. Who is it going to be? And is it yeah. going to be good enough? Are they going to be confident enough with their recently reclaimed form to kind of take this tournament down? Yeah. Whereas I feel like Scotty's the only one up top here that's really just still riding in. Justin Thomas, to get back to your point on that. Sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. But everyone keeps saying... Justin Thomas is back to being his old self. And I completely agree. His old self only won <laughs> tournaments from a million miles behind. Okay, yeah. like everyone's forgetting like, oh, he's going to win tournament. You, you, you guys are just getting really excited that he's like no longer a crusty piece of like yeah. cheesecake on the side there. Got some nice strawberry drizzle going on, but he's, he's his old self. And his old self was beta. It was always beta. It was always from behind. When he got into the mix at the PGA both those times when he... When he won the players, it was from a million miles behind. Every yep. single one he's had has been just chasing someone down. So maybe he's always a, an opportunity for a live ad if he's like way down the board. Mm -hmm. But that's that's how I want to be playing Justin Thomas going forward. I don't trust him when he should be winning the tournament. So I bet him here two years ago. And you, you took yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, for for me, I mean, I, we had him at sixteen to one last week, good number to start the tournament, and I was like. I had the exact same takeaway as you. I was like, oh, JT is like, he's back. As in, like, he's going to finish T9 every single week. And he's going to have the highest floor in golf and be never, ever worth 16-1 to pre-tournament. And I know he's got great history here at Riviera. But, like, man, in this field, I mean, I felt really good about the 16-1 to last week. Like, you're having to bet at the same price with Rory in the mix, Hobbin in the mix, Cantley, Morikawa, Xander, etc. Now Playing with Tiger, the that's right I, I don't like that at all for him yeah he historically hasn't played very well when tiger's in the in the group so um so yeah we're, we're kind of locked up there although i do think he's got like you're talking about like cash game dfs like yes. i like i like the baseline like i think yeah. i think there's almost i mean i never want to say zero in golf but like he's the guy i look at him like okay like he's gonna play well it's just like i don't want to bet him at 16 18 to 1 yeah i got um, him i think like plus 150 for a top 10 this week that's that's great so that's just how i'm rolling with jt this I, I love that like that is the play for jt is just yes you know he's been top tening like crazy so that's the play i don't 
I don't think a top five is in play. I don't think a win definitely is not in play. So, yeah, I mean, he's 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 kind of steadily he's been good everywhere. Like he doesn't really yes. have like a weakness coming in, but he hasn't really shown a lot of like vintage, you know, ten shots ball striking, eight shots ball striking, twelve shots tee to green yet, right? And so that's the kind of performance you're going to need. Unless he's going to go out there and gain a ridiculous amount of strokes punting, like if he's going to chase down the best in the world, um, yeah, it, it, I, I, we couldn't be more agreeants there. So, all right, so, Ian, I want to I want to know Ian for for you yeah. though, like in that same range, right? From because you talked about the the Augusta comp, right, to Riviera. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Rory and Victor, I mean, it's it's t- like maybe two uh, finishes outside the top twenty in the last three to four years. So, like, it's they're just as competitive in that in that from the comp side but i guess where in that range i know you're so you're struggling to kind of pin where you want to land but where what is your lean right now like do you lean more byron side where maybe you do go towards the top with scotty or like rory and victor at you know twice the number with are they do they draw from more interest from you i'm just kind of curious kind of where you're sitting yeah yeah uh yeah i've talked a lot of shit so far i'm really like <laughs> been nice to anybody yet so I, I do think this is a really good bounce back spot for Rory. I, I think this is a really good bounce back spot coming off the miscut at, at or not miscut, but a, a bad performance at Pebble where he, you know, got the penalty stroke, fell apart down the stretch, didn't play well on the weekend. T66 high 80 players. I was hoping tentatively for like a, a 12 or a 14 to one on Rory's. It seems like 10 or 11 is the best we're going to get. Um, it just feels like, but again, like no one's really played well enough to like supersede him. So he's always going to kind of be the second guy currently on odds boards, I would say. But again, Pebble was never a golf course where I was looking to really like lean into Rory in terms of, you know, it took away, I think, his two biggest weapons, which were his driver and his middle long iron play. Riviera is a golf course where he's going to be able to fully utilize, I think, the fullest extent of his game. And then, you know, coming into Pebble Beach, I mean, he put together a ridiculously good fall, you know, finished third, fourth, fourth in the three that is going to play events in that tour championship. I mean, he was like basically could barely walk, still finished fourth at, at East Lake. And then put together, you know, 16th, 7th, 22nd, 2nd, 1st in five starts in the European Tour to end the year. Had a great Ryder Cup, was the top European point score. Like, it's Rory, if you look, I mean, if you look long term, he's probably right up there next to Scotty when you're kind of just assessing overall TD Green baselines. We're going to give it a discount here. He's played well at Riviera in the past, even has, you know, two top fives in the last five years, three top tens. Um, the only problem I have with Rory, and honestly, the only reason that I haven't clicked him yet is the fact that, when you look into his recent splits on Poana, it's not been very pretty. Uh, last week, or the last start he made it at Pebble Beach, he lost 2.2 strokes putting in two in two rounds. Last year at the Genesis Invitational, lost 4.8 strokes putting in four rounds. Three years ago, lost 4.3 strokes putting in two rounds. That's the only concern I have. And again, like we're trying to pick spots. Like I don't want to force an 11 to 1 bet. And so like I think I'd just rather skip out this week and then bet him at Bay Hill. I know we're probably going to get a worse number at Bay Hill, but like, that's the spot where I'm like Rory at Bay Hill, like it's evergreen. Like that will, if he shows any kind of life here, like I'm, I'm a hundred percent in it on maybe going single bullet or, or making a heavy investment, in like a top 10 uh, on him there. So yeah. Rory was a guy that had my touch for a long time. I'm still weighing Victor. I'm seeing 18 to ones on Hovland, which are very, very enticing to, to Byron's point. If you, if you go long term, like Victor rates out exceptionally well. It's really just a two spot blip where we just he hasn't gotten going in 2024. And you're asking me to, I mean, we're getting a bit of a discount based on like you know what we thought of him a, a month ago, but it's still 18 to one, and you can still kind of find some really really enticing players like in and around that range. So for me, Hovland, I'm actually looking. I'm hoping he has like media availability. I want to hear like why 
he actually missed last week because there were rumblings of a wrist injury before Pebble Beach. Yeah. And he, you know, and if 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 it's a lingering injury that's the problem, then I'm much less inclined to be betting on Victor. If it's just like a, trying to shake off rust and maybe he feels confident, we get those those you know media blurbs of like, okay, I got the week with my coach, like my game feels like might fine now. That's when I'd be very comfortable going down because as Byron said, two top five finishes his first three starts of Riviera. Like this is a this is a golf course where again, mid long iron play, total driving. He puts quite well in Poana historically. He's probably the best putter of, of the top three historically in Poana um, over the course of his career. So it would be victor or nothing for me, kind of underneath 20 to 1. I haven't seen enough light from Max. We've already talked about JT, um, Xander. I, I just can't do it uh, in the outright markets. And then even Colin. Um, I just, again, it, it. I'm just a little bit hesitant even at like 18, 20 to 1. So if it's not victor, it'll probably be – Cantley for me. I'm seeing kind of 20, 22 to one on Cantley. I I love him at Riviera. Again, it's a golf course that you have to be just so well rounded. You know, and Cantley's a guy that again peppers greens, especially from 150 yards and outs. An elite total driver, great short game, great point of putter. You know, he's he's finished third here last year. He's kind of somewhat in the mix down the stretch. Also has a fourth place finish here back in 2018. So he's proven himself time and time again around this golf course. It's it's, it's one of his favorite golf courses that he goes on and on about in, in some of his media availability. So, um, so Cal kid, you know, went to UCLA just a few minutes down the road here from, from Riviera. So for me, Cantley, I think still presents probably the best proposition at his current price at kind of that 20, 22 to one. Um, but I will be definitely looking out for like potential Victor blurbs, any kind of quotes where like, I feel like he's got some confidence. Like I will not hesitate to, to make that move. I absolutely for- love it. And just to round out that range, I do this thing where I, I do like a rolling return on your investment, your total dollars earned back for yep. the last 12 months. Quite fun, you know, to get all that stuff, but you got to like download it every week. But the three guys that the next time they win are still going to have to win again to break even for you are Scotty, Xander, and Patrick Cantley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny that I fucking like, I just immediately 86 Xander. But like I'm so willing to go back and get hurt again by Cantley, yep. but it's yeah. it's it's just do with to do with price. Like Xander's fourteen sixty one, Cantley's twenty twenty two. Like for me, they're never that far apart in terms of entities. Like if one of them is ever priced six points above the other at this point in the odds board, like I'm just gonna go with yeah. the less price guy. So exactly. But in my opinion, it's just a rule of thumb is probably just best to never bet those two guys ever. You know, like it's because yeah, I've been a, I've been a Cantley advocate for a while. The FedEx saying, Jude, the century just just like lifeless when he needs to be you know like just lifeless stuff so the amount of thursday afternoons where i'm like you idiot like i wrote him up at the amx in my in my preview article obviously pebble beach we all know about his history there and like thursday afternoon i check my phone i'm like ian you're a fucking moron like why didn't you just bet cantley the golf course where you know he's gonna play well and then 36 hours later you're like well there it is genius <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean i i fully understand what i'm getting myself into with pat probably why i haven't made the click yet i mean yeah. i mean it's been he's been frail i mean the, the stock Oof. the starts have been very hot and then those friday saturday sunday rounds have just been lifeless so Mid. it's it's pure projection and again i'm leaning a lot into course history this week uh riviera very much like tbc scotchville last week is a course that that really correlates year over year with their leaderboards so i think past history Past course history means a lot for me here. And you couple that with the fact that at least Cantley's shown some life 
right? Like, you know, he's, he's at least found his way to the top leader. We've seen the ceiling at, at points. You think at a golf course, he's super comfortable, and maybe he can keep that together for a little bit longer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here up you know, here and say, like, you know, Cantley's the, the preeminent alpha on the PGA Tour because we've all, we've all been down that road on a Sunday afternoon watching him just waste away on the odds board. So okay. the the next two names, sorry, you know, if you're going go in that same direction or not, but Sam Burns and Jordan Spieth, uh, is there anything to be said for these guys, or are we just moving along? Because Jordan Spieth seems like an interesting dichotomy where, like, you guys talk about the Augusta comp, but, like, could it be any different between Genesis and Augusta for his results? <laughs> That's Jordan, Jordan Spieth. Spieth in a nutshell. <laughs> Dude, it, it's an audio podcast, so you guys will not have seen me just wipe my face. <laughs> this, this dude, like, he... he if you would have told me last week he was going to gain nine and a half strokes on and around the greens, <laughs> I would have been counting my money. Like this is a golf course in Phoenix where he has had four of the best 15 approach weeks of his entire career. He loses 3.2 strokes in approach. Like he was driving the ball on a string. And every time you'd hit a fairway with a wedge in his hand, he would miss the green and have to get up and down for par. It was unbelievable. I mean, like this is not a golf course. I, I kind of want to bet Jordan Spieth on, to be honest with you. We've kind of, I think passed that, genre of course until we maybe get to harbor town like that's the next time i'm really going to consider him i mean maybe maybe valspar for old time's sake a eh, byron but <laughs> but but yeah i mean the, the augusta national carbs the augusta national comps are apt but you just can't you can't strike the ball the way he did last week and, and have me advocate for you at 25 to 1 i do want to get your take byron with sam burns because i've been notoriously off market and wrong on burns to start the year like i i was actually on your show for the mx kind of laid into him a little bit, was clearly wrong in that regard. Went on the Vrindavar PGA show last week, debated you on Sam Burns. I said I did not like him at his current price at kind of 20 to 1. Finished third. I mean, gained 9.6 shots ball striking and was, you know, very much in that mix until, you know, the likes of Taylor and Hoffman ran away with it. Give me give me your pulse on Burns this week because I'm open to interpretation because obviously what I'm looking at is is not the correct uh, the correct figures on, on this kid. All right, so I've got a Scotty T5, a Rory T10, a JT T10, and a Sam Burns T20 bet out there. If I were to make a mock outright card that didn't include Scotty, Sam Burns would have been on it, especially at his opening odds. I think, what, 25 is still acceptable. I think I see out there. I'll take it. I I love what he's been up to. When Sam's driver starts rolling, the rest of his game dominoes with that thing. Um, it's just it's fun to see him and he can he's starting to pound it out there. We saw some monstrous drives that he just just hit it like 380 yards on the par five, and he's got 15 feet for birdie somehow. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, Sam? Like, where did this where did it go wrong? Like, the Cam Young corollary. Dude, seriously. Yeah. So and then he came charging up the on the back nine or whatever on the Sunday. So he can yeah. definitely get rolling. He's he's obviously, I think he he pooped it away the last three years ago, four years ago, when he yeah. he was young Sam Burns, still still establishing himself on tour. Yeah. So he's definitely comfortable around this golf course when he's feeling himself, and he's feeling himself right now. Um, yeah. I think he's he's go time if you if you want to, oh, you know, dive in there. It's just so sick. Like I I feel like I'm just I'm just below market on Sam Burns, and I think I'm just gonna have to continue to be. Um. He, I mean, he did have the best driving week of his entire career last week. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. the driver looks dialed in. 
The iron play looks good. Like my main concern last week with Burns was the fact that his long-term approach splits from kind of 150 and out were, were not very good, um, especially for kind of the price he was at an odds board. But he gave 3.1 strokes in approach. Like stroke his iron's really good. So like common sense, I think, would indicate like Burns makes a lot of sense this week. And a golf course where he, I think he set the 36-hole scoring record two years ago or three years ago, uh, was running away with that tournament before, like you said, he kind of yeah. wilted on the weekend. But again, that was that was a different Sam Burns before he'd won five times on the PJ tour. So I get it. Sam Burns, Ian, is like, I think I mentioned on the Amex is if he gets into contention. Yeah. He, and then he didn't, but when he's usually in contention, he closes the door. You know, like if you look at these other names outside of Max, (laughs) they are all, they all like the, the rug that just gets stampeded on as people want to like go barging through from behind. It's true. If 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 Sammy finds himself in the mix, I I trust him to I back him to win this thing. You know, so I agree with that. Um, that is one like exponential or or existential characteristic that he has that the other guys don't. You know, like a chemical X type situation. Yeah, I I I agree with the fact that if Burns gets in connection, I would rather have him than Cantley. It's just I trust Cantley's baseline more. And I trust Tom. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he, we're at he a point get now in there as much, but yeah, we're at a yeah. point now where we're betting Sam Burns or Patrick Haley. We're betting Sam Burns or Victor Hovland. We're betting Sam Burns or Max Homa. Like it is not anymore where Sam Burns is third or like 10, 15 points below them. Yeah. I don't know. I'm willing to be wrong again. Like I'm at this point, I might as well just go down to the ship. I'm I'm clearly lower on than the market is on Sam Burns. If we get to Florida, obviously the Bermuda base lines will raise him in my in my modeling. Um but yeah, if he wins at Riv, then then good for him, man. I, I like Sam Burns, but yeah, um, but yeah, I I just can't get to it at twenty five to one. Let's let's bring up a guy that I, I think I'm actually I, I'm gaining interest in, and and this might actually kind of spit in the face of what I just mentioned about debutants. But I'm seeing Ludwig Aberg at, at twenty two to one. I mean, talk me down, man. I, I mean, how many times is this kid just going to have to contend in marquee fields and just look like? the most refined prospect we've seen come out of college in my lifetime before we just auto click his name anytime gets over 20 to one. Ian, I have this thing that I hate about myself that I develop these like irrational hatreds towards golfers. Ludwig? (laughs) And it's, and Ludwig is starting to climb. Like he's got half a toe onto the ship with the decky and Fitz and, and Larry, not for the same reasons, you know, but I was hoping to see that final fourth round at Pebble because he got himself into the mix in yeah. round two by putting, I think he gained like six or seven strokes he put a short good. game yeah. in round two and then kind of just kept it together around that golf course somehow. So he knows how to do it. But I mean, that was like an ex, like a complete outlier performance on the greens for him. Yeah. I think I wanted to see what he could get up to under, I have this like gut feeling that under pressure, he's not, who we all think he is. Everyone was like, oh, I got gypped with a, a Ludwig outright at Pebble because he never had the fourth round. I think, especially like on a Saturday, like he tends to just completely go backwards on a Saturday. He yeah. never because it was kind of like the final round or whatever, but I don't know. I, I saw him at the Ryder Cup when he was under severe pressure, just trying to make those putts to close out one of the matches. I wasn't watching, I was listening. Yeah. And it was Dormy for like six up or five up Dormy. And he couldn't, he couldn't make those putts that he needed to just close the match out. Eventually, yeah. he just needed to two-putt it to kind of finally get that pass. So to me, 
I'm still waiting for him to really. He kind of showed up for three quarters or the full pebble. Yeah. But I need to see. I'll I'll be fine with him passing me by, and and being wrong on that take. Yeah. But at twenty to one in this kind of a field for a rookie, I want to see it. I want to see it first, and then we go. I I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. I I honestly, again, we're picking spots for these guys. Like, I like Bay Hill. I like. I like Valhalla. I like Mirfield Village. Like mm-hmm. there are spots coming up where like Ludwig is, I think, a, a more clear course fit because they they weigh or they 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 emphasize total driving. Like three thirty down the middle means much more at Bay Hill than it does here at Riviera, and, and same at Mirfield Village, same at Valhalla. Right. So mm-hmm. I just think again we're we're coming off a runner up finish at Pebble Beach where everyone kind of you know called Wyndham Clark. You know, like it was a gimmicky win. Ludwig was going to catch him, just like you said. And we are getting a bit of a, a bad number here, right? And, and we had like 33 to 1. I was very close to clicking 33 pre-tournament at Pebble Beach, right? And um, kind of glad I didn't because otherwise I wouldn't have ended up on Wyndham. But it's it, it's funny as well with Ludwig because as, as much as we project the biggest of things for him at the majors and the marquee events, the big boy golf courses, best results on the PJ Tour, RSM Classic, Pebble Beach, John Deere Classic, Sanderson Farms, like – Easy fests. wedge fests, yeah. wedge fests. You know, like, and and I know he's not even off. a good wedge player. That's the thing. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. But yeah, I, I, I just kind of needed someone to talk to about Ludwig because I feel like, like it's coming. Like, like the win is coming. Like we all see it, and it's just so tempting to just be like, I'm just gonna ride this ship until it it hits. Yeah. Um. But I. I tend to agree. I would, I would again, as much as I'm weighing course history, I think I would just rather lean even with a guy like Cantley um, in that range. So, okay, let's move on. Kind of past twenty-five to one. We've 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 covered <laughs> pretty much in detail everyone on the Saws board up to That's now. Good, so we'll, dude. I love we'll the show. The this is my up. favorite show. <laughs> we'll open the floor up a little bit past thirty to one. Who I I've kind of deduced your your second click after Scotty Scheffler would be Adam Scott, who I. It's like impossible to say anything bad about with his with his Riviera history and the way he just played at, at Phoenix. I I applaud you for having the, the balls to go out here and bet Scott at thirty five to one. I mean we we're getting him at ninety to one just two weeks ago at Pebble Beach, but yeah, just lay out the case for Adam Scott thirty five to one. I think he's you know that's kind of the the consensus number around the industry. Yeah, kind of twenty eight to thirty three is kind of what we're we're seeing right now. Yeah. So um, I jumped but, on a a forty. Early oh. in the morning, like oh. so, that was also it. You know, like yeah. I'm not entirely sure 33 would get me there. Yeah, that um, was my whole not thing. that big, but a 40 was it, it helped me. You know, I had some Seattle's on my side there for a little bit, so it was <laughs> it was good to to kind of see that number on Scotty. I also was you know checking his stuff, and he hasn't had a top five finish on the PGA Tour in the last year. <laughs> um, yeah. So trying to bet a guy to win a tournament that hasn't finished so, top five the Australian Hideki, I see. So yeah. <laughs> no, but he's a top ten beast. You know, he is. He is. Um, his his top ten rate is like six percent less than his top twenty rate. So he's, I will concede he's he's better than Hideki Matsuyama. You yeah. will you will get that concession from me. He's got that Australian backdoor figured out well. Yeah. So I've got him for a top ten again as well. But the the outright is it's just a forty. I took a number grab there. You got incredible course history. You've got incredible form. He's ball striking the absolute crap out of it right now. Best ball striker on the, in the field over the weekend at, at Phoenix. Yes. So that's what you're getting from Scott. Going back to this venue, his short game is a very 
major question mark, but he's exceptional out of the bunkers. Yeah. I think that's one of Riv's biggest defenses here is the, the large bunkers where he's obviously excelled. That's just the Australian way. The Kikuya grass, that's Australian stuff. You know, like it all makes sense why he plays well here. Mm-hmm. He's won year before, a fourth, a seventh, you know, twice he's won. Yeah. So mm-hmm. wouldn't that be pretty? When did, when was the first one? 2005. One on debut. He was the last debut John to win. Cool. So two, two seconds as well. Yeah. Yeah. He loves this place, man. You know, yeah. like, so that's the thing about Scotty. And that's it. It's simple. It's, there's not a lot to go about. It's just great form, great course history. It's just so sick because I know Sam Burns or, or Adam Scott are going to be like right there in the mix. And I'm like, every fucking metric like points to these guys. I just can't physically make the click. It's just inherent bias on my part. So that's why we like to have a voice of reason on here. So it's not just me spewing my my uh, diatribes and uh, and biases all over the airwaves. But yeah, I mean, I, I it was one of those guys where, again, if this was like a normal week for me where I was writing my article on Sunday night, Scott was a guy that I absolutely had highlighted. I was like, if we can get a 45, a 50 to one on Scott here at Riviera because of the field strength, like obviously all the annoying stats, love him. Uh, he's playing great and the history of Riviera, uh, Byron. Eloquently already pointed out. So I've got no no interest. Or Do no, I think he's going to win a golf tournament when he needs to? No. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah. at forty to one, I just took a took a plunge, man. I was just like, whatever. I need a I need a co pilot with Scotty, and they brother, both Scott. So why the hell not? So brother, we're five weeks into the PJ PJ Tour season. Is there anyone that hasn't choked away a tournament at this point? <laughs> like Scheffler's choked one. You know, JT's choked one. Burns has choked one. Cantley's choked like two. Xander, you know. I mean, they've all. The only person that hasn't choked is like the perennial choke artist, Chris Kirk. I <laughs> just like completely bossed everybody out of them. Oh, yeah, yeah and, and fucking destroyed our community with, with let's see, he's 80 to 1. Now we get a bit of a 33 to 1 at Riviera. Thanks. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, speaking of the guy, I, I've just like gotten wrong like on multiple occasions. So for me, Sahid's, I, I bet he's semi regularly, but I tend to bet him on golf courses again that like, are less ball striking intensive. You have a lot of wedges and you have a lot of room off the tee, like Pebble yeah. Beach and Century. I was all over them both those weeks. You bet them last week at Phoenix. I guess leaning mostly into the course history, played fucking great. I mean, I I was I was pulling for Heath once I figured out that the JT and Spieth were were out of the mix. And uh, again, man, like it, the putter, uh, the bird just kind of ran dry. But I'm so impressed. Like I, I think we're on the precipice of him being like a top ten or fifteen player in the world. Yeah. I think he would have won that tournament if they just got four consecutive rounds of golf. Yeah. Did Nick Taylor have to go through that weather edge? I don't think he was part of that, right? Oh, so that can, yeah. It saps you, dude. Like having to – he he, energy bank was depleted so hard in those first two rounds. Yeah. The the juice ran dry. You know, like he, yeah. he didn't have enough. If he just got the same conditions as everybody else, I think he wins that tournament. Yeah, he was the only one in the top five that had the, the – AM PM yeah. uh weather stack. So. so technically the strokes gained, he would have he would have won that in a way. You know, like yeah. I'm gonna victory lap that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh message your book actually and, and make sure they know that so that maybe they can they can cash you out on the seat ticket. But I, I, I dude, like I I'm I've I've done a complete three actually. And Chris can attest, I was not the biggest Sahith fan kind of over the last kind of twelve months. Like I, I thought he was a really inconsistent ball striker. I really didn't trust I definitely didn't trust his driver, really didn't trust his approach game week on week. Obviously the short game was great. But he didn't really profile as like having the TD Green game to match the big boys. You get eight strokes, eight point seven shots from TD Green at, at TBC Grass, Like you have my, yeah, my respect. And he's, I mean, I think you and Spencer actually kind of alluded to this in a Roto All PGA show recently, where like 
his driver's taken like a real step forward over mm-hmm. the last kind of three to five months. And if that's going to be a sustainable like attribute for him in the future, like all of a sudden we're looking at a guy that has very few holes and some really high ceiling outcomes with yeah. his approach play, his putting and his around the green play. So yeah. I've done a massive 360. And if, if he can continue to be like a above average driver, like there's no ceiling, man. Like he could be a top five player in the world for sure. Yeah. I want to see him play in the President's Cup. I think he's going to be oh, yeah. such a match play savage, dude. It's going to be so fun to watch him in 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 that. Like, I'm so sad there's no match play this year because I think Sahith's got a he's got that match play, just completely frustrating kind of game. You know, like he's he's a Mediterranean speed, and I think it's going to be fun to watch him do his thing. Thirty five to one, we get half the odds basically almost this week. Yeah, there's a twenty two to one somewhere on what Godforsaken book is this? Caesar's got a twenty two to one on Sahith. So like. What are we doing with that? But that's disgusting. Um, so where I do you, yeah. where do you see like where's the next spot where you're like, I'm targeting him here? Because I don't think it's live five this week. Oh, you bet him top five. Just because that's the way to bet him is he mm. doesn't like if you take a look at his data golf like last hundred rounds. If you yeah. take a look at his like average strokes gain total, yeah, it's outside the top twenty of this field. If you pop the seventy fifth percentile, so like he's twenty fifth best round of the hundred. Yeah. He, he like jumps a couple spots up because that's just how his game is. Is when it's firing, it's firing. When it's not, it's not. And that's, that's to me, he's not like a top 20, top 30 bet. You bet the guy like completely high upside or or not. That's and you just advice. almost got to be betting him all the time. But at 35 to 1, it's tough because 50, exactly. 50, 60, 70, 80 has been completely cool. Like you barely have a dent in your card if you place his bet first, move on, figure out some other guys. 35 is. God damn it, that's like a tough number, especially after he was 50 entering last week, you know, so. Yeah, and I've, I've been on that train as well. Like, I've, I've always been of the thought where, like, if I'm going to bet to Heath, it's going to be in a big field at a big number. Like, I trust him to contend with the best players in the world when his game is firing, but, like, you start getting them, you know, you start talking about, like, week-to-week floor baselines. Like, it starts to get pretty dicey. Um, but I, I love, like, a top five play. I love, like, a top ten play. That's that's really, really um, – I'm in line with that for sure. Let's let's talk about two guys. Actually, before I get to the two guys, I actually bet. I was gonna say, yeah, we know more about your Bay Hill card than we do your uh, Genesis card. <laughs> let's let's get to the bets that you have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the two guys that I bet. And, and honestly, I don't think I'm even breaking much news here. Um, I thought I was gonna be sneaky by kind of writing up two guys that I predict to be past forty to one in my article. Logged on Twitter and saw that Wyndham Clark and Cameron Young are probably the two most popular plays on the on the entire odds board. I'll talk quickly about Wyndham Clark first. Of course, like if you want like five paragraphs on why I bet him, you can go to Scout in the Route and at everettaball.com. But again, this like he gets no respect. Like, where is the respect for Wyndham Clark? He's this is a guy that's won three events in the last six, seven, oh no, nine, ten nine. months. Nine yeah, nine, months, ten yeah. months. All three are elevated fields, right? Quail Hollow, LACC, another George T. Thomas design, just so you know. Pebble Beach, two on Poana. And, like, when you look at the all-around game, we've talked a lot about, like, Riviera's a golf course that will expose your weaknesses like almost no other. Yeah. Clark, off the tee, like, immense distance. He can take that Cam Young, Roy McIlroy, Victor Hovland route in terms of gaining strokes around Riviera just through a complete air show. Mid to long iron play. Six in this field, Wayne Park 70 over 150 over his last 12 months. Around the green play. Top five in strokes getting around the green. Top 10 in sand saves. Top 15 in bogey avoidance in this field. Poana putting, I mean, can I just reference you to the fact that he just gained a bajillion strokes in yeah. one round at Pebble Beach? 
And actually, even before we kind of knew Wyndham as like this big game hunter, winning U.S. Opens, winning signature events, he actually cut his teeth like pretty solidly at Riviera. First two starts in 2020, 2021, finished eighth and 17th here, gained 4.1 and 5.7 shots, uh, shots putting in each of those two starts. So the point of putting's there, short game's there, like big boy golf course, a lot of mid to long irons. Like this is exactly where I want Wyndham Clark. Struck the ball really well last week as well, gained 4.3 strokes in approach. So I was just befuddled. Um, by the fact he was 43 to one, or I'm sorry, 45 to one uh, across most books. And I mean, I, I don't really have an answer why he's not like alongside Jordan Spieth and Tony Finau and, you know, Sam Burns. Uh, I don't know why, what books are thinking pricing him 20 points above them. So uh, I know I'm not alone in this, but Clark was my, my first click. And then Cameron Young, I'm going again. I lean very, very heavily into course history. This was kind of a bit of the hello world moment for Cam Young. I know he finished second at, at the Sanderson the previous fall, but obviously finished runner up here back in 2022, finished 20th here last year. In those two starts, he's getting combined 16.8 shots, ball striking in eight rounds, over two shots per round with his ball striking. Again, is the stroke chain off the tee leader here over the last five years um, in terms of strokes gained per round. Mid-long iron play, elite. He always shows up. What do you, what, where do you want Cameron Young? Elite field, tough venue, long golf course, strenuous like ball striking intensive t degree intensive this is just the perfect fit again we got 40 to 1 off a really nice performance last week at, at phoenix um if the putter can continue to cooperate getting 5.2 strokes putting at scottsdale if he puts up anywhere near that kind of stat this week um i think the ball striking baselines are enough to push them over the top so um so yeah cam young and clark are, are my two clicks and uh yeah i don't know how much progress i've made in terms of filling out the rest of the betting card to chris's point i do have a couple names to run by you byron and and, and um kind of in this range Finau, i mean are we going to do this again i mean you, you the ball striking is so good the putting is so bad like how much hope do you have that he turns that around and maybe puts up a top 10 or top five finish here yeah top 10 top five i think that's perfectly in his realm you know yeah. that's the putter whether or not i've got 18 to 1 for him for the mexic i'll do i'll join you on the bay hill futures look like i've got yeah, yeah, Mexico 18 yeah. to 1 on him like that came ages ago. So I'm hoping he just doesn't win this week and just wins somehow again next week. But he's a DFS play. Yeah. He needs to be sneaky. You need to get leverage on on everyone's like inability to kind of trust his putter that's completely taken a shit. Like it's yeah. I think Spencer said to me on the Rotoballer show, he's 70th out of 70 people in the field putting. So like, uh, you know, like what's going on there? Yeah. Again, this course, you can get away with just missing repeated 15 20 footers for par or for birdie and just tapping in the par kind of thing yeah for a top 10 top five i think that's just the way tony finau goes i'm not expecting fireworks from him yeah touch wood you know. yeah i'm like it just says a lot about myself right now that i'm i'm like itching to bet tony finau 30 to 1 and then i look at like sam burns at 25 and i'm like nah no thanks <laughs> the guy that's yes. won five times in the last three years on the pj tour yeah i mean finau we know exactly what we're gonna get i feel yeah. like it's like the most like obvious projection of all time t anywhere from t6 to t14 like plus 6.5 shots t to green minus like four strokes putting yeah exactly so, yeah okay. jason day Ian, i'll i'll jump into the host seat here for one for yeah talk to me about jason day uh, there's some stuff i really like about him at this golf course do you I'm, yeah, I'm interested to hear your, your opinion. His power putting is nuts. It is. It is. The short game's great. Short game's great, which will help him a lot. I just don't like the ball striking like upside potential enough to actually bet him outright. 
I don't mind him in like a DFS sense. He finished T nine here last year, so I do like the fact that he's had some recent success here. But again, like J Day is a guy that I bet at Pebble Beach, not just because the course history lines up, but because you look at kind of where he's played well over the last kind of twelve months. I know he's had a bit of a career resurgence. A lot of like easy wedge fests, like emphasis on putting, emphasis on like proximity inside one fifty, Pebble Beach. Right, he won the Grant Thornton with Lydia Co. Where again, it's a team event. I get it, but a lot of wedges, a lot of putting. You got to like get to twenty five plus under. Ma- match play played great, right? I mean, the Byron Nelson, like it might not be as wedge intensive, but it's a ton of birdies, right? Easy score conditions. I just, I'm not there for the outright uh, myself. There are guys that I like past fifty to one, but I wouldn't really point to Jason Day. Interesting. I actually yeah. have a Jason Day matchup against Cam Young at plus one twenty five. So I don't, I. Okay. I'm, you know, I see the thought process though. I think the baseline for J Day is probably a little bit safer. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's there. And the thing is, dude, like if you think about the farmers and and take a peek at what he's done at that kind of a golf course, I know it's not the same like yeah. rough stuff, but like when you got to boom it off the tee, he can yeah. do it too. So, and he's really good out of the rough. And I know that you mentioned it doesn't really like it's weird out here, but. These guys are going to be in the rough all the time, and he's pretty good out of there. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's like a weird play. I, I think the fact that he's just so exceptional off the you know five to fifteen feet on power, oh just yeah, makes me makes me think that he's going to be scrambling pretty nicely this week. I he, I, I agree with that. He's I also mean, one of those guys that like spikes with the approach play. Like we didn't see he like mm-hmm. missed the cut at Quail and then wins goes and wins the AT and T. Like yeah, I mean finished you know, second in the Open Championship too. I mean that's a yeah. golf course where Olympia that was playing very long that week. So yeah. Not like he's immune to only playing well at shorter courses. So I and I off a long rest. You know, he's yeah. had at least two weeks now or so since Pebble. Yeah. I like him after a rest too. So I, I don't know. Interesting. I get it. But I would not be picking on Jason Day for those exact reasons you kind of outlined, where it just feels like a week where he's just gonna be able to scramble for par all week long. He's gonna be nails inside 10 feet like he always is, and he's gonna end up like you know, T seventeen. Even though I bet Cam Young to win the tournament. I'm not going to argue with the fact that like he's got extreme bust potential if like you know if he yeah. misses a few greens and you know like bogey yeah. double bogey very much in play uh, if he starts uh, the ball striking fails him so yeah. um, okay let's let's talk about I mean I'm kind of done with like the I guess we're I mean we've covered pretty much every like marquee name in the field so let's just jump around a little bit here I like Nikolai Hoygaard a lot I don't know if I'm going to bet him to win but God damn is this kid like special. I mean, we talk about Ludwig, obviously, like he's he's got next. We expect him to be a top five player in the world in, in quick succession. Let's keep in mind that Nikolai Hoergaard's 18 months younger than Ludwig Aberg, right? This is a guy that's already won three times in the European Tour in the last five seasons. He won the year-end VP World Tour Finals last year against the likes of Roy McIlroy, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, right? Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, the best European golfers that this play, that you know that tour has to offer. And then comes on the PJ Tour and does not miss a beat. Second at Torrey Pines. And then finishes 31st at Pebble Beach, which is a golf course that I really wouldn't think would set up very well for him anyway. But still, gains 1.75 strokes per round off the tee, 0.83 on approach per round, and 0.85 putting per round. Like, his recent stretch of ball striking is unbelievable. He's in for big things, like, very, very soon. Again, my debutante thing has me a little bit hung up with the Riviera. Uh, projection, but man, like he's an guy I will be monitoring very closely going into Florida. Or, I mean, if he plays Mexico next week, he'll probably be like 12 to 1. But, like, if he plays Mexico next week, like that is the golf course that is tailor made for Hoygaard. So, I I just want to get that out, just want to gush over over him a little bit because he 
he's going a little bit under the radar for how well he's playing, I think. He's elite. And I, I don't say that about a lot of people. Like, I use the word elite for Scotty Scheffler, for Colin Morikawa, for Max Homer Putting. He's an elite wedge player. Yeah. Like, he's elite, dude. And that I had him as an outrider pebble because of that. And I think they just only got it. He only got to play Pebble twice, you know, give him three chances to to just work those wedges. I think he was going to get even better. I think a, a golf course that he can just boom drives and then hit wedges. That's the spot for him. Hey, this week, I think, you know, a little further back is going to kind of still play good golf, but, you know, we not quite the, the proximity bucket kind of layout we're looking for. Byron, you know what tour has a lot of bomb and gouge wedge fests? The PGA Tour. <laughs> like talk about, a, talk about a european golfer that's like built for this built, literally like oh yes. my god i i'm just so excited I, yeah, again i'm not gonna too. bet him this week but i just had to get that out mm-hmm. Boy, is, is such a stud like my trajectory like i i think in like 18 months we could be we be we could be talking about him in the same vein as we're talking about Ludwig now yes he is yes. that sort of prospect and it's enticing man like getting him at 60 to 1 in these elevated fields, like he's going to reach up and, and grab one of these things, or at least contend at, at one of these events uh, pretty and soon. I feel like he's got a bit more killer instinct in him than Luddy. He's won three times yeah. already. Like he's yeah. he's he's a proven commodity in the professional game. He's, he turned pro when he was 18 years old, or maybe even 17, yeah. alongside yeah. his twin brother Rasmus. Already won three times in Europe in big yeah. fields. So, yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Is there anybody else? I mean, I mean – I mean, Byron, we can go on for, for ages. Um, but Grillo obviously, and Straka. Mignon Agrio and Sepp Straka. They both seem... Straka just also, like, when you get these, like, spongy Kikuya fairways and, and Zoiza... Is Zoiza and Kikuya similar in nature? I'm not entirely sure about that. Isn't he, like, oh, a Zoiza well. specialist? But... <laughs> I'm not that far in the weeds on Sepp Straka. To be honest. <clears> All I know is he just won the John Deere. For me, so like, and he played well the tour yeah. championship, gained four point on the bird, so that's yeah. yours as well. So I mean, so, you can you can make the case, yeah, for sure. So he's he's also one of these guys that can just get nuclear with the yeah. the irons, and he's very accurate off the tee. So I think he could be one of those kind of Colin Morikawa comps, also just useless around the greens. So maybe yeah. that's like the way. Like he's a he's just a massive chunky Colin, basically. He's yeah. at times sporadically. Strock is a real player. I don't know if this mm-hmm. is the spot, but he's he's a real player. And if his price continues to depress into the treble digits, like I'll be a buyer again. You know, we were both on him, I think, at the at the tournament champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a pretty respectable finish. And you know, we get into Florida, you know, southeastern kid, you know, has Georgia roots. Yes. Um, I know he's Austrian by by birth, but um yeah. very, very well acquainted with the southeastern agronomy down there. So Florida, South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, yeah. that might be the spot for for Sep. Great. Yeah, give Grier's me like trending, dude. Okay. I know and, he struck the ball really well at Phoenix. Yes. Six shots in an approach. And his approach bucket is 150 to 200. He's not a wedge guy. He's a eight to six iron guy. Yeah. That's where he just thrives. And I think if if he find when he finds himself in the mix, he he hangs. You know, like the Charles Schwab, he, he looked pretty solid, you know, outside of the ball, like going down the water and the, the river. But it's I like him, and, and I mean, you're barely laying anything. You've got 110 to ones out there. It's like hardly uh, an issue. So I'll be, I'll be looking to to deal with Grio, especially DFS. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if I if I had a card full of like 25, 35 to one guys, and then I wanted to round it out with one or two guys, it would be probably Grio and and, and Straka down here. But yeah, you know, more more so Grio than anything else. Yeah, um, I'll throw out Kirk Kadiyama as well. 
right? Yep. 100 to one in the outright market. A guy that won at Bay Hill just last year, elevated field, big boy golf course, driver heavy, long iron heavy. Um, you know, finished eighth last week at Phoenix, gave 3.9 off the tee, 4.5 on the greens. Um, again, doesn't have a stellar history around uh, Riviera, only has made one start, but gained on approach, gained to putting in that, uh, yeah. in that miscut. Bombs off the tee. He tends to race his baselines on longer golf courses that require a lot of mid long irons. Again, we're kind of, again, speculating a little bit, but I mean, we'd be doing the audience a disservice with what's happened the first six weeks of the season if we didn't at least talk about some outrights uh, kind of past 60, 70 to one. Luke List, another guy, 125 to one, who I feel like has lost a little bit of luster from the start of the year. But again, still rates out extraordinarily well in terms of distance off the tee, mid to long iron play, long term. Uh, the short game has like, Weirdly betrayed him. Short game meaning around the green play. But, um, I mean, long term, he's still a more than serviceable, like, kind of scrambler from off the greens. Rates out well in sand saves long term as well. Uh, and last time he was here at Riviera, gained 11.4 shots on approach, which is the best mark of his entire career over those four days. Finished 29th because he lost nine and a half strokes putting and chipping. But that is Luke List for you. He's 125 to 1. Uh, you can make worse bets, I think, than than that right there. But I think that's all I've really got, Doug. I'll throw out one completely random name. If you've okay. got $2 and you don't even need you can do $1.75 and turn it into 500 with this guy. Mackenzie yeah. Hughes at 275 to 1. If you think about someone that just can be scrappy yeah. around, you know, he's yeah. – it's like Sanderson Farms light situation. Yeah, I know you want it there, but – He's very good on power, and he's he's one of these guys that can gain, can outgain everyone that does the ball striking thing around the greens. So that's just like his superpower. You know, he's not going to pop up in models if you if you like loading up on ball striking stats, yeah. but if you go heavy uh, short game intensive stuff, he's like an, a Canadian Cam Smith at times. So it's like definitely how it can go, especially yeah. on these power greens. I think um, I'll be looking to play him. Yeah, in, a guy that was, and, a guy that was, uh, you know. Sneakily in the final group on the weekend at Tory Pines at the U.S. Open just a couple years back, right? So yeah. he's got that long Poana difficult scoring distance history. Mm-hmm. Um, that little bit of a corollary we have there with Rivera, but uh, yeah. but yeah, man. I mean, this is this has been a blast. I can't believe we're already been going for an hour and five minutes. Uh, so we appreciate you bearing with me as I kind of talk through. Probably a little bit more long winded than even usual this week. Um, but man, Byron, pleasure talking Riviera with you. Best of luck. Um, with all your bets this week, I, I I think we're kind of on the same page in a lot of ways. I just kind of have to sort out my favorites between a few key names, and I'll be right there with you. Um, yeah, I'm glad we managed to get you to pull the trigger on a few guys tonight, Ian. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm sixty-seven minutes later, we still don't know. Have you made a single bet since? Do you yeah. know? Come I'm on, like, you, let's I'm, go. Pull the trigger right now on somebody. Like you got to go. on Hoblins. I just give me a fucking news. <laughs> That says Hoblin, it feels good. That's it. Like, where's our Rotoball new staff? Do they have someone to Hoblin? <laughs> Wait, could I get a confirmation like that he feels good about his game right now? That's all I need. Just the slightest little push, and I'm on Vic. Otherwise, I'm on Cantley, and I'm going to fucking ride that train for like the 80th time and be surprised yeah. when he finishes T4. So, By the way, the, the news blip is you you got Victor this week. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so so my 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 habit of uh, waiting till Wednesday afternoon to do news flows finally bites me in the fucking ass. No, I'm joking, dude. Oh, um, no, but, I think you're right. You know, just wait for that little bit of information and see what comes. But um, hopefully, we gave you some good good stuff. It's good to yeah, see you again, we- Chris. 
Absolutely. And you and so we got we got Byron on the on the all Scotty card. Uh, and Ian uh, currently on uh, Cam Young and who's the other one? Wyndham Clark. Uh, Wyndham Clark, right. Yep. Um, but yeah, so obviously a lot of interest kind of up the board and maybe more in that like kind of 25-ish to 30 range. Um, but yeah, should be a fun week. Uh, I'm excited to see what, what comes of it and what we kind of what Ian kind of lands on uh, after he scours the news market. Um, but yeah, appreciate it, Byron. Appreciate it. It's been fun. Um, and let's let's uh, let's get one of us to the cash to the window this weekend, uh, and let's put an end to the 150 to one winners. <laughs> yeah, let's go. See you guys.